G'day golfers. Ever found yourself redirecting blame and making excuses after having an absolute shocker on a golf course? I know that I have. Range was closed, I was a little cold, didn't warm up, I hit it in those three old divots. Then we have the podcast for you. We focus on how to fundamentally own your swing. Strike it pure and consistently shoot in the 70s. Be it if you're a weekend hack, retired and playing daily, a school phenom or a tour professional. We present and discuss facts and physics pertaining to golf, trying to keep our ego and opinion at bay. We dispel myths such as keep your head down, bend your knees, or my all-time favourite game improvement irons. So stop drinking that mythical Kool-Aid and have a sip of ours. I think you'll find it both inspiring and refreshing. I'm Scott Young, founder of Swing, PGA professional and ex-tour player. And together with physical therapist Dr. Sean Joyce, Welcome to Pivot the Path. G'day golfers and welcome to Pivot the Path. Today's episode, SJ, good morning. Good morning. New York City. Yeah, yeah, bright and early. Bright and early, early 6 a.m. Yep. Fantastic. How was your week, mate? Yeah, really good. Good week. Played some golf yesterday Pla- on Wednesday. Played so. some golf, which was good. Look, we're coming you to you today it. discussing a little bit of Ryder Cup, which we know is going to be delaying how it's presented, but how do you feel looking back at Ryder Cup and how you played and... Wish we were there, eh? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, Ryder Cup was, was interesting this year. Uh, you know, seeing some of those guys go through ups and downs. And, and of course, anytime you play around a golf, you're going to have a few of those. But, you know, sticking it out to the end and, and making sure you give yourself a chance down the stretch. Like the U.S. team at least. At least did on uh, Sunday. A chance on Sunday to make something happen. So our episode today is uh, focused on preparation. And what we noticed in the Ryder Cup using that as an experience was just how that potentially four to five weeks off their preparation probably wasn't the best preparation for the Ryder Cup. It's hard to imagine, yeah. Yeah, 16 and a half to 11 and a half getting absolutely smashed. Uh, what we're trying to do with this podcast is always keep it factual, high and tight on the facts. And I could argue that nine of the 12 taking four to five weeks off reportedly, obviously I haven't spoken to any of the guys there, mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty well not the most indicative way to play some great golf. And I think they looked, they just looked rusty. They looked a little bit uh, discombobulated. Yeah. And you wonder with those, you know, we heard four to five weeks off, are they sitting, hanging out? Are they yeah. in the gym? Are, we know they weren't playing golf, apparently. But, On the tour, yeah. They didn't play um, tour events. So I find that interesting. But the guys, you know, Max Brooksy and uh, JT, who did play tour events they were pretty solid mm-hmm. even though jt's obviously some doing some things with his technique but those guys who did play leading up were, were a lot more solid than not yeah coming down the stretch i think they all won their matches last day yes so. absolutely absolutely you know it's funny it's to be said there yeah just the Ryder cup did you grow up watching it yeah it was one of those things i think when i was younger i didn't golf wasn't on my radar so much as it came on um, it became a bigger part of my life. You know, once you see that first Ryder Cup match that's just electric, I feel like from then on out, you know, you want everything to be like that. So when it's on every couple of years, you know, you want to watch every second. Oh, for sure. Do you remember that? Did you ever see that video where they were playing at uh, Ryder Cup about three or four ago and there was a big guy in the crowd who had a couple of bevies and it was Rory who said, well, if you think you can hold it down, down left or right, downhill, ten and a half footer in front of like, 10,000 people. You may or may not have ever seen it. Uh-uh. So this big guy, 6'4", pretty drunk, I'd say, comes out and holds it. No and way. the whole crowd, <laughs> Justin Rose, Rory, the, the Yanks, they went ballistic. And so to That's me, amazing. as an Aussie, 
who didn't really grow up with Ryder Cup, it's been amazing to now become as become an American citizen, to now be part of it. And yeah. so I looked at last weekend or, or the, the, the Ryder and thought, well, you, the American crew doesn't seem to be vested as much as the Europeans. Yeah, a little bit less gelling within the team as well. Sure. Seems. And a little hard to say when you see an article about, okay, you know, there's guys sitting on different parts of the locker room and not talking, but even just out there from what you can see with the golf, it, it just didn't quite seem as Yeah, I think Liv has, Liv has turned it up a little bit. It's a shame that, uh, that we can't just play golf and get golfers to stick to playing golf. I think, yeah. you know, it was appalling to me that DJ wasn't included. Maybe he wasn't available, I, I don't know. Uh, but he, he's one of the most indicative golfers on yeah. the planet. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, the Americans hopefully take away that they've got to prepare a little more and mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe they would have played a major taking four to five weeks off. So I think the success of the U.S. Ryder Cup future, they have to approach it like a major. And to me, that's all about money. So these guys are paying for, I think the Masters this year is 15 million total prize purse, three and a half first prize. John Rahm, love what does he buy with three and a half million bucks? I'm doing a I'm doing a '62 Ferrari Dino. That's kind Ooh, of that's yeah. what I do. I, I think uh, four kids. I don't know how I'd get my four kids in the Dino, but we'd yeah, figure that'd it be out. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think the sooner the uh, USPGA kind of get the revenue involved and say, look, we're deriving income from TV money, we should put that back to the players, like the college team have done. Yeah, the sooner the players derive some income on that, I think the US players will have more of a vested interest. I, I think it comes down to money. Yeah. The, the, I used to date Leighton Hewitt's cousin for a while and I got to know Leighton and I know Leighton planned his whole way around how to make money. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a sport, he's a, he's a guy there to put food on the table. Yeah. Sean uh, was a Division One lacrosse athlete. How did you prepare, pivoting here a little bit as we, as we do? Yeah. You know, we, we look at the Ryder Cup and as the next tour player, I think, oh, your preparation wasn't great. You with your lacrosse, obviously Division One. did you prepare, you know, was it a smash and grab on a Thursday night over pizza or how, how professional was your lacrosse? No, it was, uh, preparation was everything, honestly. And it really there, every little bit of advantage you can get makes all the difference. So um, being a team sport, there's a whole big aspect of team preparation coming from the coaches down to... How many How many on the team? So about 45 oh, to wow, 50 big. in a given year. Yeah, yep. big. You know, three coaches, an assistant coach, or I'm um, uh, a volunteer coach as well, so kind of four guys. But wow. it all starts, you know, coaches do all the scouting. They, they go through tons of film uh, in, in beginning of week. So games are always Saturday. Sundays are off day. And then Monday would be uh, of the, the game week would be get in their team meeting and go over every... Uh, now, are you team meeting with your... Uh, middies, attack, and defense, or is it so just a team? starting with everybody. Okay. And then you get the, you know, roster for the other team pretty much. All the significant contributors, height, weight. You know, of the opposing teams, team. Opposing team. Damn. Um, you get, you know, how many goals they've scored that year, assists, all that sort of stuff. And then you get your matchups too. So I was a defenseman. I'd always have, you know, the, the typically the high score, their, their best. Uh, long stick. Um, long stick. Yeah, right. Yeah, just smash people. Me. Yeah, yeah. Not a, not glamorous, not the um, finesse type play. Yeah, you're the engine yeah. of the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. So um, you get that, and you go through the team, and, and you know all week, even our guys, the lower guys of the team who weren't playing in games, they're um, running the other team's plays all week, and we're practicing. So let's backpedal a little bit. So yeah. your coach gives you that you're playing Scott Young. He's mm-hmm. this wicked offense gun. Yep. What type of stats do you know about 
the chap who you're going to defend against? Yeah, so you get, depending on, you know, their history, if they're a young guy, you won't have as much. But if they've been, you know, a few years into their college career, you get, you know, past year scoring, assists. Right hand high, left hand high, do you know? Yeah, yeah, right hand, left hand's a big, big thing in lacrosse. Um, And then you get just like a little bit of what the coaches pick up from film on how they uh, play, their tendencies, you know, what they like to do, what they don't like. Um, and then as the week goes on, you're watching film together as a team on certain things. And then I was always spending a lot of time watching film specifically on my matchup on top of that. Well, that's so, impressive, to be yeah. honest. At 20 years of age, that's impressive. So by the time Saturday came, your preparation was just infinite. You were ready to go. Yeah, and it was, it was done. So it was kind of show up and now go execute or, or do the best you can. But um, if you put yourself in a position where you feel like you couldn't have done more to prepare, then on the game day, you know, there's a lot of things out of your hands. Uh, at least if you prepared properly, then put your best effort forward, you can, you can live with it. You know, and so that's what happy, but hey. I, I love that. That's, what, that's where you've brought that level of preparation to swing on the movement side. So I think of David Beckham, uh, anyone who hasn't seen the Netflix doco, I, I grew up watching soccer, but I had no idea the level of professionalism and just this guy was a legend. Have you yeah, seen that doco? Unbelievable. And preparation, like the thing that speaks to me, apart from the fact that they had the entire country because his coach chucked him under the bus in the <laughs> World Cup, that was appalling. But... When he, when he went to Real Madrid and he wasn't allowed to practice and he kept training every morning and they yeah, had the coach yeah. and the coach was like, David uh, just kept showing up. And I'm like, <laughs> and as his wife said, dude, pump the brakes, let's go and have a coffee. Yeah. But he showed up every... Showed up, trained what alone. A legend. And eventually, I mean, he kind of, I think, was a great part of his teams always. You know, the other players said, we don't want David training over there. Yeah. Like, bring him in with us. Get him in. It was powerful, yeah. right? And then yeah, they started yeah. winning. Yeah, exactly. And if you can get that team aspect right and all that preparation is done together, then you get to enjoy game day and hopefully... And my point of that was they interviewed one of his his right winger who always used to feed him the ball. He used to say, I was just the cutlery and David was the main course. (laughs) Uh, And they said that he was a guy who was traveling all over the world, meeting his fiancé wife, but yet come game day, he had that switch. So so I, I love that. And I think that's Tiger, you know, we all know his debacle, but Tiger and Tom Brady and Bex, they, they seem to have the ability that irrespective of what was going on, they just had this switch, which I think is amazing. You yeah. can't teach that. That's, yeah, so that's saying great players show up at great moments. Yeah. Hey, we're nuts as sports people. I remember the funniest one I had. I had I traveled for 10 years. So it was the Aussie Open. I was at Capera Golf Club in, in, in Brisbane. And I had to pre-queue because I was based here in the US and I had no status back home. And, and I remember pulling up in a hire car. It was a white Hyundai. I can kid you not pitch it right now. And on the way to the range, I must have gone over a stump or something. And parking, I ripped the bumper, not right off the car, brand new hire car, but like half off. And I just imploded. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, this is going to cost me thousands. I'm here for a week. I was flying back to the U.S., and I distinctly remember I started double, double, double. But with a bit of maturity, looking back, I didn't know the golf course. I hadn't prepped what, where my holes were. I play all my golf at 100 metres. For, for me, that's half to half. So it's half backswing, half follow through. I know that's 100 metres. So I usually work backwards and work out. If I'm playing a round of golf, I find where to get that 100 metres shot as often mm-hmm. as I can. Probably hadn't done the preparation because I'd just flown in. And it wasn't the event that occurred. It was the fact that my prep. And the event just ruffled my feathers, 
so much so that I, I, I played very poorly and then, and, then, and then missed the cut. And then went to Dave Harris's house, shout out Dave, back in Brizzy, and we, we coat-hanged the front bumper bar on and I spent, about, I spent more time coat-hanging the bumper bar, which we returned with great success. <laughs> Sorry, Avis or whoever it was. Uh, and, but, but in hindsight, I remember I did look at that and think, right, I'm never going to be in that position again. Where yeah. take off the train crash... It was the fact that I hadn't prepared. So that's where I'd love to go on today's discussion is more about well, what's swing about. So Pivot the Path is about, all right, guys, you've been doing the same thing. How about we explain how we pivot and how, how swing develops and swing produces to our guys' preparation? So for me, it's got about five buckets. Uh, from an amateur point of view, I remember being in the pro shop at Avondale and Week to week, all the players would turn up and have their two beers or two schooners or not warm up or have a coffee or whatever it was to warm up as they played. But yet when club championships came, they'd all hit the range for an hour. Yeah. And nearly every one of those guys, because they changed their preparation, didn't perform well. So yeah. what do you like to see that we do in here that maybe you didn't know before you joined Swing? What do you, what, what's the big screaming things that you find just in our locations yeah. as I mean, a customer? I, I think the, like you just were onto there is the lack of consistency. Uh, so, you know, like for different days, preparing differently. And I, I think our brains, especially from a physical standpoint, are really good at recognizing patterns. Uh, so when you start to do something regularly at a similar timing or you do it before an activity, then you start to kind of prime your, your neurological system and, and just even your, your mental thoughts about it in a way where you're going to have a way more consistent result or at least a consistent effort put in. Uh, so here, you know, we always encourage people to prepare a certain way. They walk in the door before they start hitting balls. At least get on the, the bike there, get things moving, keep sure. time warmed up, do a few stretches, especially if you know a couple areas you're prone to being tight or having issues. Do you find that most people warm up how they feel comfortable? And I suppose we're trying to challenge the norm and say, hey, trust you and I to, to explain where you should warm up, how you should warm up. That's different to what I feel. Like that whole, yeah. It's like when you watch people on the marathon and they pull their leg up for a quad stretch. I'm like, dude, you're not doing it. <laughs> Pointless. <laughs> Pointless. Yeah. So People and love think- a pattern. They do. They do. And I think when people come in here and say they've got an hour and they're going to hit balls, they want to spend every second of that hour hitting balls. Yeah. And we say, okay, hold on a second. If you spend 10 minutes or even five minutes doing this beforehand to get your body in mental state in a place where then the other 55 minutes you'll get way more out of it and maybe actually start compounding some benefit as opposed to just get up here, start whacking, whacking away. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've created swing here in the locations. As I said, we're trying to get 40, 50 of these up. But it's about basically five things. So it kind of starts with, to me, movement first, and that's, yeah. and that's your domain, and, and then technique. We do a lot of equipment, so we're, and we're going to get into all these you know, five buckets uh, later. But we, we believe that blades are the actual game improvement golf club, so we, we actually really look at people's golf clubs. Uh, and then we do a lot of mental work. When the train crash happens, our job is to present a platform that has so much preparation that it doesn't matter what events occur. I hit one out of bounds on the first. You know, I had a, had a poor SMS. I ripped a bumper off a car. I'm prepped, so it doesn't really matter. And this is, I think, the lovely thing about what you and I have done is that You've come from a different sport. I've come from golf. You've played a lot more sport growing up than myself, uh, obviously because of my injuries and so forth. And so I think we've got this lovely conversation of 
Mate, you're a Division One lacrosse captain. That's that's pretty damn cool. And your preparation on your sport. I didn't know you were actually. It was so thorough as a as a yeah, college athlete. That's was, that's really impressive. I got it was full on. We got three cool. kids who are playing lacrosse right now, and it's it is full on. Yeah, there's a lot more off field than I ever would have imagined. Interesting, yeah. And I mean, this was our coaches. We were all young kids. We just wanted yeah, to go yeah, out there and, and play. But you know, they kind of the taught Kool-Aid. us. And then by the time you've been, you know, going through three, four seasons, you're like, man, the prep is what's got us that victory. You know, the margins are so small that every little bit is is going to make the difference sometimes between winning and losing, making sure. playoffs or not. So it, it becomes something you then learn to to love and, and actually really see the value in. So. Yeah, and that's what swings about here, guys and girls, is that we want to present a platform that really is the essence of improvement. And we like to really make sure that when you go play golf, you just play. And it's quite funny when I've been working with the same guys for four or five years and then I get to play golf with them, eventually we'll swing the line a golf course up in Westchester. But until then, we've got a duck and weave at different golf courses uh, and they're amazed at how non-technique I'm quite I'm a perfectionist by trait so uh, I like my my students and my my clients to be perfect but then when we play it's just play and so swing is about you and I presenting a platform that makes sure that we cross every T and dot every I in here the irony being Per you, grab your long stick, shut everyone down and just be an athlete. So getting back to the Ryder Cup, I think the preparation, even though they've got these amazing athletes, there's no doubt about it, the US PGA Tour are the best players on the face of the earth. But it also shows how passion and preparation can override skill and talent. I remember, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play with a million different people from presidents to prime ministers to pga tour guys to you know basketball yeah, you know to get into some of those stories yeah yeah as we go through but i'll take preparation and hard work over talent every day of the week mm-hmm. there's a young guy australian called kurt who i won't mention his last name who was quite possibly the best player i've ever played with and i played with allenby and appleby and all those guys uh, and scotty this kid was amazing and unfortunately his dad pushed him so hard that by the time he was 19 he was he was just phenomenal phenomenal he, he gave it away he, he cracked yeah, but it wasn't him and his personality it was you know I, I think preparation is so key and i see a lot of half decent clients we're based in midtown obviously where people generally have two to three screens they're working 60 hours plus even if it is at home but their physiology in my belief is you know you're one of the most important people you and i you in the room because it's movement that surely starts the process of a preparation for a rotational-based sport. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what we're about here. We're about preparation, and today's podcast was just trying to explain that, hey, what we've got coming down the pipe stems at equipment and even the clothing you wear and how to warm up and who you are and what do you need to do for stability and mobility. Technique is important, don't get me wrong, but... If technique was so perfect, guys like Furyk and Floyd and Trevino and Wolf and all these funky swings wouldn't occur. Uh, and the mental aspect of golf is, is probably the last bucket, which I just adore working on. Unfortunately, it's not sexy and a lot of my clients in Midtown here don't like to work on their pre-shot routine and we're going to dive into this in future podcasts. But we've really created a structure in here that is absolutely synonymous with performance based on, you know, what you've done as lacrosse and you do with your PT and, and physical therapy. And it's about being prepared. You know, we, 
we got here at a bit before 6am, we left home at 4.30 and we were prepared so when we come in, mics are set up, hit the ground running and as people get out of Grand Central, which is we are on top of Platform 16, they're looking at us going, what is going on yeah, in what there? what is happening? <laughs> we're changing the golf landscape, ladies and gentlemen. So, mates, Ryder Cup, let's hope next Ryder Cup the US get up. Yeah, a little, little more back and forth from the start would be lovely. Yeah, a little bit. little bit. That, that Friday, I don't know what you were doing on Friday. You were probably seeing patience. I was watching and I was like, dude, really? I woke up early and was just shocked to see yeah. the sweep on the, the early rounds. Um, and then I just hoped all weekend, let's, let's get it to a point where it's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, it's manageable. And, and it did get there, but, you know, a little bit left to be. Uh, so let's hope that, again, PGA, yeah. get out there, guys, and just try and maybe look at getting some of these guys a bit of, bit of capital for their, their invested time. <laughs> all right, beauty golfers, thanks for listening to Pivot the Path. And just absolutely remember... Your on-course enjoyment starts with the work you put into your entire game. So absolutely own your swing. So keep moving, keep swinging. We'll see you next time. Yeah, hit them far, hit them straight. We'll see you next week. Yeah.